Yes, yes, hello, listeners, and welcome to the European One, part of the Eurotrips podcast network. It's currently Friday evening, and I'm happy to say I am your host, Ryan, and for the next 45 to 60 minutes, please enjoy the three of us talking nonsense. <laughs> Old listeners will know the format and the subjects of the podcast, but for, for new ones and people who haven't listened before, we're here to exclusively chat all things Champions League, Europa League, and Europa Conference League. Now that last one there, the Conference League, that may be of uh, some interest to to one of my guests, um, Mr. Andrew Davis. Why is that, Andy? Hey, 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 hey now. It's um, we win this weekend. It's um, not as much an issue. So um, yeah, we win win this weekend. We can go three points to six points behind Newcastle with a game in hand. So um, yeah, not quite um, not quite there yet. But I think the loss losses loss this weekend, I think might um might change that. I actually had their plan to plan for you to say why is that, and I could then say because Liverpool will be there next season, but ah, I didn't know we, we won't be, we won't be. <laughs> um, I mean, I I can't think of Champions League, but I I can see us getting at least fifth or sixth. I'd rather actually, I'd rather not get European football at all than play in the Conference League. But um, yeah, hopefully yeah. You know, we can get that win on the weekend um, against a good team, um, and then you know we'll be um, hopefully. On the right track, getting Diaz back, Jota back, Van Dijk and Firmino back. You know, it's all looking good at the moment, and hopefully we can get a win. Albeit, I, I'm saying it's after one win against a rubbish team against Everton. So, um, yeah, maybe I'm speaking too early. Well, I never thought we'd uh, we'd see in our lifetime the uh, the poor man's version of the Europa League, but you know, we <laughs> we do have it now. Um, my second guest this week is none other than Mr. Noeem Page, who is of course a fellow Arsenal fan and. Thankfully, the Conference League isn't something we have to worry about for next season, at least. We no, on, your, on your current form, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's a blip, all right? There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> Agent Jorginho, isn't it, they call it? Agent Jorginho. Uh, no, I'm not having any Jorginho slander because he was very good in that game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was to be fair, I can't lie. It was unfortunately uh, Mr. Consistent, Tommy Asu, who was, who was actually... The letdown for us in uh, in the goals we conceded, but it is what it is. Um, we'll still win it, don't worry. Um, but before we go into uh, into battle, um, more duty to ask how you both are. Yep, I'm doing very well. Like I said, it's Friday weekend now. No work until Monday, so can't complain. Yeah, same here. Um, same with Naeem actually. And we finished work for the week. Um, and yeah, um, looking forward to a weekend of what should be two really important games tomorrow in the Premier League. You look at Villa Arsenal, you look at Liverpool Newcastle. Um, I can't even think well as a dart top of my head, but you know, it's um, it should be a good weekend of football and um, certainly makes up for our issue involving Ryanair when we're meant to go into Valencia. It does, yes. Um, yeah, more on that later and more as well on the, the Premier League, La Liga, and Serie A of which we will hopefully round up towards the end of the podcast. But for now, um, the topics are the Champions League. And the first question really this evening uh, to you both is, is quite quite a simple one, actually. And that is who will win the Champions League and why is the answer Napoli? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very good question. Um, it's a bit of a tough one, you know. I can't see PSG um, overturning against Bayern Munich. So, you know, they're probably like the clear favourites with Man City. But 
Yeah, their team looks like they're just I don't know what's going on with that team. They I don't know, they need a rebuild or something. Um so, uh, I don't know, man. It's just I wanna say Real Madrid, but mm. Mm, now I'll go with I'll go with Man City. I'll go with Man City. I think they might finally do it this season. Then obviously I've got to pay Andy um that money for that bet we had. So if they do win it. Well, it's, that money's going straight back towards Ryan is our Jesus and Brennan Johnson battle. Good enough for three men to be still level with um, Brennan Johnson for goals. So, um, yeah, it's not looking good. Nothing good, bro. No, no, I'm not as confident on that one as I was a few months ago. But um, hopefully uh, Jesus is... Knee, I think that's his injury. I can't remember, but hopefully that's um soared as soon as possible, not just for our bet, but for the uh for the fate of Arsenal's total race. Um in terms of Napoli going forward this season, I mean they've pretty much sewn up the, the uh Serie A at the moment. They're they're a mile clear of the chasing pack, and the chasing pack aren't doing anything consistent at the moment. We're not seeing a string of wins being put together by by any of them. Inter, uh, Milan, Atalanta, Lazio, Roma, obviously Juve are a lot further behind as well. So they've pretty much won Serie A already. So in my opinion, what they should now look to do is rest some of their key players um, for their Champions League games, especially the week before and maybe the week after their Champions League fixtures. Um, and then, and they can easily do that as well because they do have um, quite a big squad and they have a lot of good players as well that haven't been been playing. Um, you know, I think the likes of Kavara Tashkilia, Osimhen, Zielinski, Zambo Nguisa, um, Min Jae Kim, especially those who have been so instrumental this season, they should be the ones... To, to be rested and and maybe give chances to uh to Raspadori, uh, Politano, um Tangi and Dembole, uh and Dembole, sorry, on loan from Tottenham. And they do have a big squad, so they can afford to rest players and probably still win games as well because um they they they've just been walking all over the opposition at the moment. And even with their second string eleven, they would probably still win most of their games quite comfortably. So that's what I'd like to see them to do, quite frankly, because there aren't many Champions League seasons in which you look at it right now and think, you know, all the big guns are not as good as they have been in previous years. You know, you go from Real Madrid and now trade in Barcelona, I think by 11 points. It might be a bit less than that now. Um, you know, they haven't been in good form. One week they win, one week they draw or they lose. So they're not consistent at the moment. Um, PSG are the same. PSG are in all kinds of bother at the moment. I think they're three games now um, where they've lost all three. They've not been in good form at all post-World Cup. Bayern, they've got their own issues going on with Manuel Neuer. Obviously, we know about his, his skiing accident. But... Obviously, there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Manuel Neuer because Bayern, they fired um, a goalkeeping coach who happens to be Neuer's best friend, which has caused a lot of drama within the club. 
and because of Neuer on the pitch, he's so instrumental to how Bayern play. He's a massive loss for them. They've resorted to playing Jan Sommer in goal, who they got in January. So they're not as strong. Um, they've also got the league campaign to focus on now because uh, I believe they're level on points with Union Berlin and Dortmund. They're actually only a point or two behind them. So my early prediction of Dortmund winning the title might not now be as laughable as it once was. Um, so the big clubs, they've all got something to focus on. You know, Man City, obviously, are in a title race as well. They can't really afford to, to take their eye off any of the competitions that they're currently in. There's the fact that they've got an unsettled back four as well, or back three or back two. You never know at the moment how Pep's going to, you know, tactically put his team out. Um, and then there's obviously the off-field issues with Manchester City as well. So you don't, you can't really rely on the big clubs at the moment to do anything. And you look at um, some of the more obscure teams, obviously Napoli being one, Benfica, Milan. I'd like to put Tottenham in that category, but they won't, they'll never win the Champions League. So I've got nothing to worry about with them. But in terms of the, the big dogs, which obviously we know there's already been the result this week between PSG and Bayern, but um, it's only 1-0 with a, with a second leg still to play. You can never really rule PSG out of the thing. So which do we think will be the big uh, the big team to fall first? Uh, I think Bayern. I, I remember watching that game, PSG-Bayern. I think, obviously, the big talk about before the game was PSG weren't starting Mbappe. There was an injury doubt about Messi as well, but he still played. But when you watch PSG, where after Mbappe came back on, they looked a far better team. And I think if they start him next next time they play, which I believe will be some point in March, uh, I do think that we'll see a different PSG team. And I think that um, you know, what well, I don't watch Bundesliga enough, and I think Jonathan Dix will be able to tell you more on this. But they're they're struggling in the league. Mane's not settled in, and their defense, sorry, defense has been a bit shaky. I think really since Nagelsmann came in, especially in the bigger games. So I don't I don't see PSG getting far, but I think I think they can win this game um against uh Bayern Munich. Uh, I think having watched Inter and AC Milan play against each other in the Serie A, did some commentary for Rolling Sports Media. I don't think either team's gonna do it go far because that was a truly awful game. Um mm. I can see Chelsea going out as well. I think Dortmund got a good lead, albeit they are really playing at the bridge, but with Chelsea's form, you know, and uh, Dortmund's form on the flip side, I think that could be another one. Chelsea could be another team to go. And of course, the last game, hate to say this, but I think Liverpool will be the other team that will go out on the big dogs because I think Madrid are my team to win the Champions League. I think they're going to go back to back. Same reason I think Napoli could go far as well. I'd love to know what their odds were start of the year. But I think Madrid now, the La Liga is pretty much at reach. Uh, I do think they'll once again focus on what is the one they all want to win every year. The fans is the Champions League. And I think that they've got, obviously they've got a team that knows how to win it because they won it last year in the same fixture as it is this this week or next week. So, um, yeah, I think Madrid are going to win it. So I think I think Newport will go out. I do think, um, I think Chelsea go out and I think Bayern will go out. With me, I think... I'm the opposite. I think I think PSG will probably go out this round. Um, I, I know obviously when Mbappe came on, they looked better, but before that, you know, they didn't have no shots on target in the first half. You know, you're, you're the home team. 
You should really be doing a bit better than that. Bayern Munich, they could have scored more than one goal in that game. So I think yeah, once I go back to the Allianz, they will probably start Mbappe, but yeah, PSG, they've got, they got a good front three, but if they're not clicking, then yeah, the midfield isn't what it was. And the defence is not too bad, but I think it does, yeah, I think this is where they'll go out. And yeah, I think I think some of those superstars will probably like jump ship in the summer because you know, their best chance was obviously that final where they did lose to Bayern Munich. So yeah, I think they'll go out. I think I think with Chelsea, obviously in their game, and I was watching obviously I think actually actually see the game because it was at the same time the Arsenal game was on, but managed to watch the extended highlights. And you know, they had they had a lot of chances, obviously. They, the goalkeeper for Dortmund, he had a blind, he was literally saving everything. So, you know, they they are creating the chances, but yeah, they just need to finish their dinner. So I think it'll be a bit of a different game back at the bridge um, in a couple of weeks' time. So you never know if, you just don't know what, what Chelsea's going to turn up really. Like, they have, I know they haven't really, they haven't been that great. You know, they've been drawing, losing, not scoring many goals. But, you know, Champions League is, you know, it's, it's a knockout football. So anything can really happen. So I think Chelsea might go through Obviously, Man City playing next week. I think I think I have more than enough to beat Leipzig. I think they played them a few times before and they've beaten them. Napoli against Frankfurt, also who won the uh, the Europa League last season. I think Napoli got too much quality to um to beat them. You know they're like what I think is it twelve thirteen points clear in Syria. So they don't need they don't necessarily need to play the strongest team every week um before before Champions League game. So yeah, they'll go through. I think yeah, I think Real Madrid will. Probably go through against Liverpool, um, and yeah, I think yeah PSG will probably be the biggest team to go out in this round, um, and yeah, just have to wait and see what happens next week with the other games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing with the Champions League as well is, you know, form is everything. Mm. Pretty much going into it, and although we can see form change here and there, you know, especially in the knockout stages, if you're going through. A poor spell of things like PSGL right now, then you're done because there aren't, you know, you get two chances and that's it. It's uh, it's not like the league where if you slip up a couple of times, you can you can you know make back, that ground back up at some stage throughout the season. But you know it's it's not like that now. And I yeah, I do agree. I do think PSG will 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 go out. I watched the majority of that game and Bayern. It was almost like a training session, especially in the first half. They were they were toying with PSG. They just couldn't, um, you know, create enough opportunities to score. And PSG just looked a little bit too disjointed. Um, you know, when you when you've got a front three of of Messi and uh, when when Neymar's fit and, and Mbappe's fit, I just don't think they work well enough together. Um, going forward, even if they did manage to get past Bayern. And I think a more settled team, you know, would would get Bayern comfortably. So I do agree. I think PSG will be the first big team uh, to fall out the competition. But in terms of the other results this week in the Champions League, uh, Milan obviously beat Spurs 1-0. Pretty uneventful game. Again, I watched it. Um, I think Milan probably on average deserved to go through. Um, that game will win at least depending on what teams play in the second leg because Spurs have got a lot of injuries now to some key players I uh, I do think Milan will will make it through 
for that reason alone, they're starting to pick up a little bit more form now. I think they're two or three games now um, where they've won all three, whereas, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were in dire form. They, they'd gone, you know, a lot of games without winning. So I think they found... Um, I think they found their, their their tactical style again, and I I expect them to to do the job in in North London. Um, we mentioned uh, the Dortmund and Chelsea game. Obviously, Dortmund going through that game as well with a win one nil. Adiemi with a with a really good goal, and uh, Benfica as well two 0 winners away to Club Bruges. Um, Benfica again, I think they're a they're a dark horse. They're not not an easy team to beat, and. They've got some real quality up front as well. They've got Charlo Ramos, who we saw at the World Cup with Portugal, and um, Rafa as well on the wing. They've got dangerous, dangerous players, and we've seen them get some big results in Europe as well. Last season, obviously, they've done the job on Juventus, um, which admittedly right now doesn't look all that good. But, um, yeah, some interesting results there. Um, in terms of the, the Dortmund-Chelsea game, as we mentioned, um I know Andy wanted to to discuss Graham Potter and the the strategy going into that game and, and obviously the strategy as a whole really and and all these players that, that have been brought in and um yeah I'll let you take rain over that one Andy yeah I just wanted to talk about this because it's it's really intriguing to me because um you know the first of all the whole the amount of players that have come in is really fascinating how are you going to get them all to play on such long-term deals as well, the money they're getting, it does, you know, it's, it's awfully interesting how they're going to all going to fit in. I mean, Chelsea are a team that's no stranger to, um, you know, they're no, they're no stranger to loaning players out and loaning out a big amount. Um, you know, they're signing, they signed a player on an eight-year deal and he's not even in the Champions League squad and the Bamiang's another one as well that they signed in the summer for big, for big salary and he's not in the Champions League squad either. You know, and I think it's, it just brings round all foot when everyone's talking about Man City and what they're doing. But I think Chelsea's what they're doing needs to be under a little bit of investigation and how they've managed to basically find a loophole in financial fair play. But it's just it's interesting in terms of on the field as well, because when you mentioned PSG about that Mbappe and Messi maybe don't click, and I think that when we saw the Galacticos in the mid two thousands, you know, they had all these players and didn't want to win a Champions League with this with the Galacticos. They had Figo, Beckham, Ronaldo, you know. Probably the greatest player never ever to win a Champions League. You know, you had you had um Casillas, you had so many players, Roberto Carlos, um, for one year, young Ramos, but you know, before then, some great defenders as well. And I think that there's definitely a case where, you know, too many cooks pull the broth. You look at the flip side, looking at go back to Liverpool, you know, Robertson, 8.5 billion from um from Hull, while Adam. Twenty million pound from Newcastle. You know, Salah was only thirty-five million. Mane the same. Firmino was only thirty million. You know, with, with the exception of Van Dijk and Allison, who we bought all, all bit for our money, but that was based on a selling a player for hundred odd million that we we bought for eight million. Um, I think that this definitely teams have showed. You know, Man, you were example of this until maybe towards the end when they were. You know, a lot of times these players that don't uh, these teams that win lots of trophies don't actually cost the most money and there was a stat about actually um, the top 10 most expensive Premier League transfers of all time I'm going to get it up now how many of these turn out good I mean Maguire's in the list Lukaku's in the list twice you know um, there's so many players um, let's get that for a second but yeah it's just I just, it just intrigues me how they're all going to um, to work out um, it's just because 
They've been in terrible form pretty much. Here we are. So the top 10 transfers of all time in the Premier League. Kepa's number 10. Uh, Pepe's in there. Kai Havertz is in there. Paul Pogba. Said before Lukaku twice. So apart from Van Dijk, and, and there's not many transfers that have actually worked that well here. You know, Kai Havertz scored a goal against, you know, against City in the final. But apart from that, he's not done much. Sancho, he's in the list. He's done pretty much nothing since joining Man U, if you exclude the goal last week, which was a terrible goal. You know, and it's just, it's, and obviously Enzo Fernandez has just joined and Jack Grealish has not done much, although I think he did well actually in the Arsenal game. I think maybe he's turning around his career. But I think it's interesting because, you know, Potter would have been sacked under Abramovich by, by easily by now. I think it's um, Bodhi that had, had, has had the same manager in the Dodgers since 2016. So he's a manager, I think he sticks with his managers. And I think that there's an argument here about is he doing this with the wrong guy? And I think that I've been a big defender of Potter. You know, he did so well with Swansea, with Osterens, then going into Brighton. But it does bring about whether he is of that quality. And I hate to say this because he's a guy that I've managed to interview a few times and he's always been good with his time. And, you know, he's a guy I've grown to really respect. And I think he is a good manager. But I just, I just do question whether he is the guy for that kind of job with that many players coming in. I just question whether... I like the fact Bowley's giving him time, unlike the previous regime. But at the same time, is he doing this with the wrong guy? That's what I want to ask you guys, really. Um, that is Potter the guy for Chelsea moving forward? Because his record since coming in is pretty bad. So yeah, I want to get what you guys' thoughts were, really, on on his appointment so far and whether you think he is the guy moving forward. I think, obviously, with the previous jobs he's had, they, they haven't really had the pressure to, you know... Um, obviously compete for titles, get into the top four and whatnot. So obviously coming from Brighton where, you know, there's not much pressure on them. They, he's had time to obviously build his squad. And, you know, since he's left, they're pretty much still playing the same style of football. Um, so obviously that's a test to him. But I think, yeah, with Todd Bowley, he's, he's brought the wrong guy in because, you know, this guy doesn't really know how to deal with all these, like all these players that he's bringing in. I don't know how much of a say he has in recruiting them. I don't think these are like sort of potter players. So, I think going forward, I don't, you know, the results might pick up, but going forward long term, or you never know, Chelsea don't know how long they're going to give their managers now under Todd Bowley. But yeah, I think he was the wrong guy. I think, um, I think they should have really brought in a manager that's, you know, had the had the experience in Europe and obviously challenging challenging for titles, um, whatever country that may be. But yeah, with him, yeah, I, 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 there's so many players there. And I, I just can't see it really working uh, with him. Uh, I, I think I think they'll probably give him to the end of the season. Maybe a bit of a bit of next season as well. If, if things don't really pick up, then yeah, the Chelsea fans are going to start growing more and more restless against him. And yeah, he, like you said, um, wrong wrong guy for wrong guy for the job. Really for me. You think as well that it's um, I saw a great thing on the club, which is the new. Channel with Rory Jennings, Boovy, and Adam Akoda. That you know, look at uh, I, Potter seems to be a guy that likes it, does well with teams that are a project. Whereas I think mm. Chelsea are my team. I think you look at who Potter's boundaries at the moment in Conte, you could almost look at whether they should almost swap teams because Potter would be like a pot, he'd be a man who'd be there for the long term, he'd be able to do the rebuild. But I think Conte is a guy that you can win short term with. So I, I, I don't know whether they that, that that's something they could have done or whether they're. They have gone to the wrong clubs, but um, yeah, I think both as managers, it's not really working out so far. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, it, I was, I, it was always a, a really strange decision, in my opinion, for them to get rid of Thomas Tuchel, mm. who is one of the, the elite managers of European football, and um, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I, as an Arsenal fan, I thought, you know, that's, you know, it's great news for for the rest of the Premier League because you know they've discarded such a good manager who had done a great job for them in such a short amount of time as well, and um, as as good a job as Graham. Potter's done um, at, at Brighton and the other clubs that you mentioned. I don't think it done quite enough yet to to really mm-hmm. earn that role. And I think it was more that they were looking at, you know, I think they've they've nicked a fair few, um, you know, transfer specialists and directors uh, from from Brighton as well. So I think they've they've almost tried to to nick Brighton's whole. Uh, strategy team, you know, they've seen how well they've done with with certain players, bringing them in for cheap and selling them on for for big money, and it seems like that's what they've tried to do. And I don't buy into this that most of these transfers that have come in were grand potters. It obviously they did need to bring in some players because of the amount of injuries that they've suffered, but you know, you're going to get one stage where they're all pretty much fit. And, and you know you're you're finding yourself in a circumstance where you're leaving first team players probably out of the entire squad. You know we've seen, like I say, Aubameyang, um, not even in the Champions League squad. Whatever must he be thinking right now? Uh, we we know that he can be, you know, a disruptive figure as well in the dressing room. So you do wonder what his, uh, you know, mind is going through right now. But I can see this all either going one way or the other, it will either work and it'll, you know, be really good or it's going to implode. And, you know, Chelsea could uh, find themselves with a very, very big squad and they'll be wondering how they how they get rid of a lot of these players because, um, you know, who, who, who do they then sell? Because they're going to have to sell some. It's going to get to the summer and... I think it's more their um, homegrown players that are being linked with moves away. But the other clubs are going to look at the situation and say, well, why why do we why do we pay you what you're what you're asking for for someone like Conor Gallagher, for instance? We we know you need the money, not from a financial perspective, but to to balance your books. You know, and uh, we know Chelsea's transfer strategy isn't isn't likened by a lot of the other Premier League um, owners and, and clubs. So it's going to be an interesting summer in in that regards. But yeah, um, right, that is enough Champions League chat then for this evening. Now on to the UEFA Europa League. I'll just do a quick rundown of the results so far this week. Obviously, it's the, the first knockout round. Um, so it's mainly for the teams that have dropped down from the Champions League and those that finished second in their group stage games. So we had Ajax and Union Berlin. That was 0-0. The big one, Barcelona against Man United. That was 2-2. Good game. Uh, Salzburg got a late goal at home against Roma, who have actually been in good form as well. So that was a a tough defeat for Roma. Uh, Shakhtar, uh, 2-1 winners at home to Rennes. Then there was five goals between Bayer Leverkusen and Monaco. Monaco, 3-2 winners a way out in Germany, so big result for them. In really good form as well, Monaco. Beat PSG last weekend as well. Um, Juve, 
only drew 1-1 at home against Nantes. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not for, for, for British people listening as well, that's not what I think you think it is, how I've just pronounced it. <laughs> right, just to make it clear. But, um, <laughs> that was my first thought when I heard that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> their the supporters actually on, uh, I saw a clip earlier on social media of uh, of their away fans chanting uh, Serie B to the, to the Juve fans, which I thought was quite, <laughs> um, quite, quite comical. Um, you had uh, Sporting, they drew 1 1 against uh, FC Midland, so not the best result for, for Sporting. And then Sevilla, they won 3 0 at home against PSV, which was um, a bit of a surprise result, really, because if, uh, if you're a fan of La Liga, you'll, you'll know Sevilla doing quite terribly this season um, in their league campaign. I think they've gone through. Two managers already. They were close, I think, to sacking um, San Paoli at one stage as well. I'm not sure if if that's close now, but yeah, big result for Sofia, who always do well in the Europa League. And I know that's something that Naeem wants to um, wants to touch on. Yeah, so obviously with Sofia, we know how good they are in Europe, especially the Europa League, which they have obviously dropped down now. Uh, in their Champions League group, they had City, Dortmund and Copenhagen. They finished third, so they dropped down uh, along with Barcelona. Atletico Madrid didn't make it because they finished bottom of the table. But yeah, obviously with, with their league form, um, before obviously they sacked Loptigi, um, who's currently the Wolves manager, doing all right there. They only had one win in the league um, after I think it was about seven games. But since then, you know, they've got a few wins now and they've currently lost. 12th in the league, um, nine, nine points off for conference league football. So, with this competition, they know it very well. You know, they've they've won it what, four times in the last last 10 years. Uh, obviously, Emery won it three times in a row. Most recent win uh, was to the 1920 season, obviously, when Loptigi was there against Inter Milan. So, yeah, this is a competition that they know very well. So, if, if their league form... If they can't make it automatically, then I think out, out of the teams that are that are left, they're probably one of the favourites. I'd probably say Man United, um, Barcelona, maybe Ars- Arsenal, probably um, the top three front runners for it. But yeah, the Spanish teams in the Europa League, they, they just tend to do very well. Um, I've looked at the last 10 seasons. There's been a Spanish winner the last seven, yeah, seven times um, in the last ten years. So I'm, I don't know where I don't know where it is, but they just seem to do very well in this competition. And you know, beating PSV three nil, um, they obviously beat Arsenal in the Europa League when, because it was in our group. But beating them three nil, the tie is all pretty much but over. So it's just just a matter of, matter of who they get uh when a draw is made next month i believe or maybe at the end of this month because i know the return legs are next week uh, because they're obviously a, a round behind the champions league so yeah with sevilla it'll be good to see what they can do um their, their league form has improved they you know they 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 have been losing um here and there but they are getting quite a lot of wins they're not a team that really scores a lot of goals, but they are very good at keeping clean sheets. So that's going to, the second half of the season, um, San, San Paoli's got a, a big task at hand. You know, they've they've been in Europe, lost count how many times in a row they've been in Europe. So to see them out of Europe will be very strange. But yeah, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on, you know, what do you, what do you think it is that makes 
Sevilla so good in this competition. You know, they've won it the most times, six times in total, and and they, they won it um, two seasons ago. So, what what do you guys reckon it is with these Spanish teams, um, in particular Sevilla, that do so well in these competitions? I think is it was it Jose Jose Mourinho who said it. It's a, a football heritage, as they, as they say. Um, like Real Madrid do so well in the Champions League. I don't know. Certain certain clubs just have certain affinities with mm. certain competitions, and obviously Sevilla they have that with with the Europa League, and you know it helps that they're you know that they're a big club and they've got a lot of quality players as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Spanish some Spanish clubs do well as well because of the the style of football that they play. I think that's suited to to European football. Um, you don't see many sort of Spanish clubs going all out attacking, sort of gung ho style. They some of them they do like to be defensively minded and patient in in their build up play as well. And um, yeah, I, I still don't think Sevilla. I think when they come up against a really good team, you know they'll come unstuck. I do think Barcelona are probably the favourites right now if they do get past United in the second leg, just because they're doing so well in uh, in La Liga that you know they can maybe afford to to rest a couple of players in La Liga if uh, they stretch the lead over Real Madrid any any further. Um, obviously Arsenal in there depend. You don't you don't really know what kind of team. Arteta is going to play in that competition, whether he's going to be more focused on the uh, on the league campaign. Obviously, we don't have a big squad. We've got Inter as well. Um, you know, they 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 could easily go and win it on their day, but they're inconsistent as well at the moment. So I think the Europa League is another competition this season that is that's wide open, really. Thoughts, Andy, or? Sorry, <laughs> I was um, I, I don't yeah um, but yeah, I I think that it is sort of like almost as you say within Spanish heritage. I, I just think that it's um, there was something about Spanish teams in Europe. Although it did make me tickle um, Guillaume Balagate on the CBS yeah. Champions coverage, which I think actually is the best sports coverage there is because the amount of clips I see of of Richards. Carrigan on me and the amount of laughs I, I have watching these videos. I think I would love that to be a UK show. But yeah. I think almost is I think almost is I, I remember talking about this actually my in my dissertation, which is on the rise of the Premier League in the in the U the US and the rise of the NFL in the UK is that for a country that needs to get a fan, they need a fun show. So I don't know whether Sky Sports or BT or any TV company in the UK would have that because I think part of the beauty of it that I think that's part of the why that they got more free reign because they haven't they had they've got to try to attract fans. But anyway, it just made me tickle that Guillaume Balagay was talking about um how that they they need a way to try and even it out and talk about the Premier League players cherry Premier League teams cherry picking players from other teams. But it wasn't so long ago that Barcelona with it when they can every player in Madrid they can every player you know, you guys will know from Cesc Fabregas. You know, he for years they tried getting him. You know, Mascherano they got from us. You know, um, so I think it just these these things work in cycles. Looking back even further in the nineties, and the Italian teams were the best. So I just made me laugh that the Spanish the Spanish um teams fans are don't like it. They have a few more years out of the out of the sort of spotlight in there. Um, you know, they still won the Champions League last year. You know, Real Madrid. So mm. I, I it just made me laugh. But I I think that. 
I think it is just almost. I'm not a person who lives in Spain, uh, but I can imagine um, that it is a competition European, whether it's Champions League. You see, even Europa League, and even in the Spanish, the Spanish Super Cup, and all that, how passionate they take European football. And I think that it is almost, I'd imagine, like it is the most important thing. I think, like in the Premier League, there's often a thing about some fans would rather win Champions League, some fans would rather win the Premier League, and it's sort of like a I think Liverpool fans would rather win the Premier League. We City fans would rather win the Champions League. But I think when it comes to particularly La Liga, I do think that it is that's the first thing. That's what you have to focus on every year, and that is the most important thing. I think anything else is a bonus. I think that's why you um, you know you, you do see the Spanish teams take it more seriously, and they do celebrate a lot more. I think you know you look at when Sevilla won it. You saw I think you saw a lot more passion when they won it than when Manu won the Europa League. Um, mm. years ago so I, I do think that um, it does depend on teams and elsewhere but I think in Spain it is absolutely that is their that is their season if you don't win the if you, if you win the Spanish league but you don't do well in the in the, in the Champions League that's almost seen as a failure and I think even um, I've got a feeling one year I think Capello won the league but they didn't win the Champions League and therefore we got the sack so I, I do think that is for me the main reason why why that is the case yeah, I think, I mean, on a few of those points, like, like you know, Jamie Carragher, he, he said it very well, like at Barcelona and Real Madrid, you know, they they don't give, you know, a shit about any of the other Spanish clubs. It's just about them too. They don't care about the other 18 clubs. That's why, you know, the the financial pyramid in, in, in Spain, you know, the, the TV revenue and whatnot is not shared out equally like it is in the Premier League. You know the 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 bulk goes to those two clubs, um, you know, and uh, it's 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 nothing to do with 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 the imbalance of the leagues. It's the fact that those two clubs are being are being outspent and they don't like it, and they have this fear that they're going to be overtaken, and that's why they're two of the clubs, you know, trying to lead the uh, European Super League. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of the the Europa League and especially the Europa Conference League, I think there's a sense of ignorance from from Premier League clubs. Um, they almost probably look down on these competitions and think, you know, because it's not the Champions League, you know, it's not it's not as as big an achievement maybe as it would be for for maybe like Sevilla um, or, or or Frankfurt for instance last season. Um, so yeah, I think that's that definitely plays into it as well. But yeah, in terms of, I mean, I actually watched the, this, the CBS uh, stream um, because uh, I, I refused to pay for BT sport and it was a, it, it, it was, it was a brilliant uh, stream to be honest with you. Um, they have this, this Geordie commentator on there, which I don't know what his oh, name is. Oh yeah. The one who absolutely loves Messi, that guy. He, yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. He's comedy gold. The uh, the things he comes out with, how how quick he is with certain lines as well. I thought he was he was excellent as well. Um, and yeah, obviously when you've got Omri Carragher, uh, Michael Richards, and and Kate Abdo as well, who's really good on the two. Compare that with um, with uh, with Jake Humphreys, Jermaine Genus, Martin <laughs> Keith, and Peter Crouch. You know, Christ, this. <laughs> they're world worlds apart. I know the Champions League coverage. They used to have Lineker and 
they sometimes have like Rio Ferdinand and mm. um, they've had Paul Scholes and, and Steven Gerrard on their, you know, previous seasons as well. But, you know, the, the, it's, it's something that I've, that I've mentioned quite a few times over the last couple of years, how, how worse the, uh, the TV coverage and the, and the punditry is, is getting now in, in, in England, especially compared to years gone by. And, um, like I say, I know they, you know, the Americans, CBS, they probably, you know, pay a lot more money as well to have those, um, to have those kind of pundits on their, on their show rather than what BT would probably pay them. But, um, as well as the fact that Carragher works for Sky, I don't, I don't believe, I think Kate Abdo is American broadcaster now as well. Was he Mika Richards is with Sky as well and Reed's been with Sky before. So perhaps that plays some part into that as well. But yeah, it's um you know, the only one good thing about BT Sport is is the goal show. Um that which show they, is amazing. I love that show. Yeah, unfortunately they, obviously they don't have it, I don't believe, past the group stages, which is which is disappointing because um you know they're they're, they're the same guys as well that have um you know the European podcasts well on a Tuesday. That that's an excellent show podcast probably my favorite one they, they 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 all know their stuff they put the time and the effort in some of the best european football journalists there are out there and um it's just refreshing to to have people like that um on 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 the tv being able to listen to proper unbiased opinions rather than some of the english commentators that we have who just you can tell they don't watch european football they have they totally disregard it and yep. they're almost pretending to know certain bits and pieces. You know that they're probably reading most of it off a bit of paper. They don't know what they've been speaking about, and it's just trash. And yeah, I don't, I don't like it at all. So yeah, that's the only saving grace for for BT Sport. And unfortunately, I've got to put up with it again tomorrow because Arsenal are playing Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's a uh, that's something to look forward to tomorrow, but. Um, in terms of the the last European club competition, I'm not, we're not going to delve too far into. It. We're just going to run through the results. Um, you had Bodo Glimp and Lecce Poznan. They drew nil nil. Uh, Karabag were one nil winners over Ghent. Fiorentina actually got a four nil away win against Braga, who are no mugs. You know they've got some really talented players in their team. So I think that was a bit of a surprise result as well, especially away from home. Braga Stadium is quite unique, hopefully one that we visit sooner rather than later. Um Trabonspur, they won one nil at home to Basel. Um Larnaca one nil as well at home to Dnipro. FC Sheriff, they were beaten one nil away to Partizan Belgrade. A lot of one nils here. Lazio one nil again home to uh Cluj. And uh you guessed that the last result one nil Ludigretz over Anderlecht. So Apart from the one four nil win for Fiorentina, the rest of the games looks quite dull from a from an outside perspective. But I didn't watch any of them this week, so I can't say for sure. But um, yeah, again, they are the playoff rounds. Um, so yeah, obviously there'll be return legs next week as well. So um, I think that does just uh, does us for the European 
uh, side of the podcast today. I know we're going to have a quick roundup of our individual league as well. Um, I'll go to, to Andy first, um, just to quickly round up the events in the Premier League for those who are not aware. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of look ahead more than look back at previous games. Uh, I want to look at games coming up on the weekend. So if you're listening, this will be out obviously on a Friday night um, or tonight, I should say. Um, so I just want to get a few games that I wanted people to draw attention just to for games to look out for on the weekend. I think the office one is Villa Arsenal tomorrow at half 12. I think there's obviously massive ramifications for Arsenal in this game. And of course, it's a game where if they win, it puts pressure on City before their game. Uh, but as well, if they were to lose, it gives City a massive boost when they when they next play. Um, City aren't actually playing this weekend. From looking at the fixtures now, although they are, they're playing at three o'clock. So yeah, literally just mid hours after Arsenal's game finishes, City will have the chance to either catch up with Arsenal or lead the table, depending on how Arsenal do. So I think that's a huge game. Uh, I think I just mentioned. I think Forest City's a big game. I think in terms of that, I think Forest will want to try and ease themselves out of the relegation zone. I mean, they're currently, you know, after a terrible start, they've done so well in recent weeks. They're 14th. So in what is albeit a very tight division, they can go potentially eight points clear of the drops. So I think that is huge in that sense. I think the same reason Everton leads is on the three o'clock. Um, I love to have seen that game on TV because that is a big game. You know, Everton, they lost to us, but they beat Arsenal. So they'll be wanting to get back to win there. 18th with lead 17th with just a point separating them. So I think that is a huge game for the bottom three. And I don't know why they haven't changed that that, that around, put that on TV, because I think compare that with Tottenham West Ham, I think that is a much bigger game. Albeit, you know, West Ham are in in that mix and Spurs are can potentially go into top four with a win. Um so I think that is also a big game as well. Um and yeah, of course I think Southampton Chelsea is the other one I want to mention and keep an eye out for because we mentioned Dice getting a win with Everton, new manager bounce. Samson manager, obviously the whole Jesse Marsh situation failed out. So that I can't think who their caretaker manager is going to be, but I think it'd be interesting to see how they'll do without Nathan Jones, who was a, basically a car crash of an appointment. And I did mention Chelsea to start the show. They're in bad form. Can they get back to winning ways and get their season back on track? So I think there's a lot of really important games coming up, I think, for this for this um, season. So I'm looking forward to seeing what um what happens this weekend absolutely um some key fixtures there and uh it'll be another intriguing weekend that i have no doubt um to Noim for any la liga, la liga games to watch out for this weekend yeah so the, the only really two that i would want to say to look out for because there's you know the teams are quite near each other in the league and um, there's a few things riding on there so the first one um, Atletico Madrid take on Atleti Club on Sunday. Uh, Atletico Madrid off currently fourth in the table. Um, Atleti Club, they did start off well in the season, but they're currently seventh. But with a win, they can um, push the gap behind Atletico Madrid to three points. So, yeah, it's going to be a tall, last, a tall, tall, order to, sorry, tall order to go to their ground and win, but you, you just never know these days. So, yeah, look out for that game on Sunday. And then the other one, down at the bottom of the table which is actually on Monday, so definitely keep an eye out on that, um, is between Getafe and Valencia. Um, both teams actually sit sit bottom, no, not at bottom, both teams sit in the relegation zone. Uh, they haven't, Both of them haven't recorded a win so far this year in the league. Valencia, they're just in free fall at the moment, you know, obviously 
if, if you saw the scenes from last weekend, the fans were obviously protesting outside the stadium against their owner, Peter Lim. Obviously, they're not happy with the way he's run the club since he's been there. They're progressively getting worse and worse each season. Last season, they finished mid-table. This season, they they might get relegated if they don't turn it around. So, obviously, it's 18th against 19th, with obviously Valencia being 18th, Getafe 19th. So, a big game down at the bottom of the table, and we'll have to see whether either team can get the win um, to come out of the relegation zone, because it is still quite tight down there. There's only, like, what, four points uh, from 14th to 19th. So... Yeah, look out for those two games. Um, a lot, quite a lot riding on there, and yeah, we'll go again next week. Not much to report from the top of the table. Pretty much stays the same. Real Madrid got a four 0 win against El- bottom of the table Elche earlier on in the week. They were, as they obviously won the club World Cup, so that will they had a game in hand, beat them four 0 comfortably. So yeah, it's Barcelona's to lose now, but yeah, look out for those two games on the weekend. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Um... As 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 Noyan's just mentioned, there's still a lot to play for in La Liga, and finally, in terms of Serie A this weekend, uh, the league leaders Napoli there in action tonight, away to Sassuolo, who uh, can be a bit of a bogey team for some of the uh, some of the big clubs in Serie A. So that might be an intriguing game to watch. Though I expect Napoli to still comfortably win. Um, Monza at home to Milan. Obviously, the return of uh, of Berlusconi against his uh, his old club uh, Milan, and yeah, in terms of the other games, I mean, there's not really any any standout ones. Um, Inter at home to Udinese, Juve are away to Spezia, Roma at home to Verona, and uh, really got Salernitana who are at home to Lazio, um, and. Yeah, I mean, there's still, like I say, there's the one club in the league that's still currently uh, without a win in uh, the whole campaign, actually, is Clemenese. Um, they're away to Torino, who are in seventh and having a pretty decent season by their standards. So, um, yeah, I expect Torino to win that game and Clemenese to still be looking for that um, first win. And also, Salernitana. Um, you might be uh, interested to know they obviously they had, they had the manager I think uh, David Astorley. Um they they sacked him uh, a couple of months ago I think or a couple of weeks ago and basically the sacking probably was a bit premature it was because they got beat by Atalanta I think it was what, 7 or 8 nil or 7-8-1 something like that and Obviously, they sacked him the day after on the Monday. Um, it was seen, as I mentioned, premature. And basically, the manager's story, he phoned the owner back up, almost begging for the job back, saying that he could still do a good job. And remember, this is a manager who miraculously kept them up last season. So he'd have thought he would still have had a, a little bit of goodwill there. And so they did. They rehired him just a couple of days after they sacked him. And last week, uh, they sacked him again. So, yeah, that's that uh, tragic. tragic. That's, 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 pretty yeah. that's, that's a tragic thing I've just heard. That's, that's shocking. Yeah, so that's the current state of uh, of things in Serie it's, it's never boring. I think that's <laughs> what we're going for. But, yeah, um, I think that rounds us off quite nicely for, for this week's podcast. Like I say, 
It will be out um, either tonight or over in the morning um, ahead of this week's action. So, yeah, do give us a, a listen. And uh, if you enjoy it, please uh, leave us a comment on one of our socials. We do read them all and we do appreciate them all very much. So, yeah, um, have a good weekend, everyone. I've been your host, Ryan, and a uh, big thank you to Andy and Naeem, as always. And uh, we'll see you very shortly.